0: Hi, this is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at uh, First Church Ministries in Newport News, Virginia. We're going through the book of Genesis. And again, I have not updated the first slide, and we are now into 2021. Uh, but we are barreling along. We're about halfway through now. So uh, um, let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have together. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you that you care so much for us. that um, You want to help us to understand your um uh, your plan and your desires, not just for us, but for um, the people we come from, um, the nations, um, the world. And Lord, I, I pray that you open our hearts and minds to see you better, to love you more, and to desire to draw closer to you more. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the, uh, the, the important part here is um, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, And uh, I think in essence on that, uh, that God being Trinity is essential to being created in his image. I don't think any of us are on our own. So we come individually, we make a decision whether we come to God or not. We make decisions in our lives that that affect us personally. Um, But there is a corporate aspect too. And so being created in God's image talks about that. Genesis is especially important on that, in that particular uh, um, aspect. So uh, we get Genesis broken into really 11 sections. We get uh, the first section, Genesis 1-1, the creation and furnishing of the earth, which is just basically a prologue, a preface, let's say, to the book, to just let the Israelites who are at Mount Sinai receiving the law, let them know where... Uh, things are how everything was came into creation, but that's not the focus. Okay, and, and, and you see the pitch, the high pitch of Genesis chapter one is the creation of mankind. It, it, it is, it is uh, definitely the central part. It, it, uh, other parts are just, uh, are background, very and gone over very quickly. But the the part about being created and, and uh, man being created in the image of God is slowed down. In fact, the word bara, create, is used five times, create from nothing, and and uh, first, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and then the first time animals are created, it says God created the great sea animals. So, in that, and that's from nothing, and then for mankind, it says, and God created mankind in the image of man. He, in the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them, and He uses Barter three times there, and it's sort of a slowing down and emphasis on this being created in the image of God. So. Why again is that important, and what does that have to do here with Genesis? Well, the, the next 10 sections here are talking about these are the generations of, and um, they're talking about families. They're talking about that, that people are related, that, that people do things as groups and are responsible in those groups, et cetera. So, so um, uh, Jose and I were talking about books that we had read, and, and uh, just before uh, this, we have breakfast, uh, which is a, a high point of my week. Um, and we, um, we were uh, talking about city of God, Augustine's city of God. So uh, St. Augustine, uh, uh, greatest theologian um, after New Testament writers, I, in my opinion, uh, and in many others, um, talked about the, that there's, this, there's two cities, the city of man and the city of God. And really the decisions we make in our lives go back to whether we're the city of God or the city of man. Do we, do we follow God? Are we part of the new Adam in Jesus? Uh, a city of God? Or, or are we the old Adam? And, and we go our own way. A uh, city of man. And so this talks about that. And if you go on uh, from these generations, you sort of see this here. You see a, um, an Adam and Eve, and then uh, Abel was killed. It's in heaven now, slain by Cain. And Cain uh, it was city of man this would be the city of man coming here and it was wiped out once uh, uh, when the flood came but again noah noah was found righteous but uh, he had a wife and three sons and their and their uh, wives and so the god and it is individual there are there's a, a godly line and an ungodly line but there are godly people and ungodly people in both areas so that is not emphasized here that there's godly people here but that's I think a rhetorical flourish just to help understand that 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 this was a line that did really degenerated very quickly. But even here, you get you get a a, pro, a problematic people in here, and that's, this is going to come up in, in this lesson we're talking about a bit today too. But uh, so so um, so you get Noah, and then you get Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and then you get Shem, and from Shem you go on and and uh, really. Um, get to the story of Abraham and Isaac, and the genealogy of the line of Ishmael, and then the story of Isaac and Jacob, and the genealogy of Esau, and the story of uh, Joseph and his brother. So we're, we're right in this area here, okay? Um, we're talking about Isaac, we're talking about Jacob, and we're talking about Esau in this thing. And so we see the branching off of the lines that God's talking about. Now Israelites would be very familiar with this. One of the things that's uh, that I've had an uh, especially nice time of going through Genesis so much slowly, because, again, we've been there, we, we'll be here a full year, uh, is, is really I, I sometimes in the evening when I'm watching a show or something like that, I open my Bible atlas, and I've been looking at all the nations and the different peoples that come from the different nations. And then I, I'll maybe I'll read in Isaiah or I'll read some of the, you know, I'll see the, some of the, um, the curses that come down on some of the nations, how they treated Israel, you know, and the, therefore they're going to be punished. And, and so um, I'm starting to get a, a feeling of that area is like a family, you know, and, and you've got these clans and these, well, th- this, fa- this side of the family says this side of the family this. and that's how the Israelites would be hearing this now, what's going on here. They knew that uh, Esau uh, became Edom. Uh, and they had to pass through Edom to get to the promised land, so so as this goes through they 're hearing about how things came to be and how how the family feud started and everything else and so it 's important because um, we need to reflect in our family about what 's going on in these situations too, and how our family works together and and the dysfunctionality of our families, okay This was a very dysfunctional family. Um, hopefully your family is not as dysfunctional as this family is. It's interesting that this is the chosen line and it's so dysfunctional. But, but, uh, but the truth is, is that every family is pretty dysfunctional. When you get really down to it, there are problems in that. And that's because sin is more of the world. And sin has made us desirous of ourselves instead of God and, and others. And so that's why the, the great command is to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and some people say, well, that, that's a command to love yourself. Actually, no, it's not. It's a command to love your neighbor. <laughs> you say, you have to love yourself, too. No, we do that quite enough in our own. Okay. And, and what he's talking about here is that you're part of a bigger, bigger picture here. And that's why when I say Genesis 1 starts with the creation of, of man and, and God's image, um, that that involves a community. And so, this is what comes on through here. So, we are now in Genesis 27. We looked at Isaac. We talked a little about Isaac and, and the, uh, his life. And then he and then married Rebecca. When, and when, when um, uh, he uh, prayed to have a child, um, he had to wait 20 years to have a child and had a child when he was 40 years old um, with Rebecca, uh, two children, twins. And as the twins were in the womb, Rebecca heard the blessing that the uh, older would serve the younger. The younger would receive the blessing. And so now we're uh, at least 40 years later, because at this time it says, it, we finished in chapter 26, it said that Esau, when he was 40 years old, went and married some, some uh, Canaanite woman. So at, at age 80, uh, then um, this is where Isaac is. Sometimes after 80. We don't know how much. Isaac lived 180 years, so there's another 100 years in him here. You don't think so when you start here, but this is somewhere after 80, maybe when he was 100. We don't know, but he still probably had quite a lifespan left because not only did Jacob go away and have all these children and come back, but he lived there in the land for a while before, again, uh, Esau and uh, Jacob buried him when he died at 180. And so... This is setting up the background on this. Um, and Jacob, um, as he grew up, was a man of the tents, and Esau was a man of the field. And uh, Jacob deceitfully um, stole um, uh, his uh, the birthright of the firstborn from him. Uh, although it was deceitful, it was also Esau's problem with Esau, because Esau gave it away. I mean, really, no one dies from not having food right away like that. But he was—he was saying, "What good is it if I'm dead? I'll give away my birthright." So he despised his birthright. So there, there is some. It was wrong for Jacob to do what he did, but it was also just as wrong for what Esau did, you know. Uh, and if you say, "Well, but he had the right to do that," yeah, he did, and Jacob had the right to do that too. It, it was, it, he was—he didn't deceive him on saying, "Give me stew," and and then not give it. He gave it. So you know, it's it's. Again, dysfunctional family here, guys, really dysfunctional. So let's go into chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, "'My son, here I am,' he answered. And Isaac said, "'I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death,' Now then, get me your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the open country to hunt and some wild, get some wild game for me. Prepare the, the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to her son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son uh, Jacob, Look, I overheard your father. Say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. And then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you the blessings before he dies. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But if my brother Esau is a hairy man... And I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? Then it would appear that I'm tricking him. And it would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Um, And his mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go and get them for me. Okay, so we're going to stop right here and talk a little. So Esau was old. His eyes were weak. So he probably had cataracts. Okay, he couldn't see very well. But he lived a lot longer. So it wasn't, it wasn't, probably cataracts. And um, so he couldn't see. He calls his son Esau, his favorite. See, so this is part of the problem, and the fun is, um, is is the parents play favorites. So, so, you know, Isaac liked Esau and Rebecca liked Jacob, and, and uh, they, they apparently had settled into some kind of warfare on this, okay? I, I don't know what, how to put it, you know, you know, killing people warfare, but it was it's this tension where they, were, they were, became partisans for the people they wanted, okay? Now, normally the older one gets the blessing, so there's nothing there, but the, there's a point being made here of, go out, son, and get me some of the game. I love. You're the kind of man. I Get it for me, and I'll give you the blessing. And Rebecca's listening, and she's thinking, and she's probably thinking, <coughs> maybe thinking, um... I remember the blessing that I, the prophecy I got when I was having baby that the older would serve the younger, and and, and really Jacob deserves it. So I'm going to help him along. Okay, uh, I have no idea what the actual thing is. Is some uh, in, number one, there's only so much volume in scripture. But another thing is scripture doesn't tell us everything we want to know. Okay, but it does it does say this very clearly that she's a partisan for Jacob and she wants Jacob to get the blessing. Okay. okay. Now Jacob's a very interesting character here. Like, well, but my brother's hairy and I, my skin is smooth, and if I did this, it would appear to my dad that I was deceiving him. You know, like, yeah, because you would be deceiving him, buddy. You know, but but that you know, that's what's that's going on here. And she says, "Don't worry about that. Let the curse fall on me. I'll take care of it." And uh, and so he's willing to go along. He wants that blessing. He wants it really badly. Um, he just needed a little encouragement from mom, you know, and so yeah, mom gives it to him. Uh, so, verse 14 So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took out the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she also covered his hands with the smooth part of his neck with goatskins. Now, if you've ever seen like goatskins, they're it's very short hair, it was very hair, it's full, it's a, it's a pelt. It's not just you and everybody. So Esau must have been really hairy. Um, uh, and then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and bread she had made. And he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, yes, my son. He answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn, and I have done as you told me to. Uh, please sit up and eat some of my game, that you may give me your blessing. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's out in the part now. He probably altered his voice as best he could to sound like Esau. Uh, voices can be very distinctive, especially to people that can't see well. So um, Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? So he's already figuring that something's gone on on this. The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Okay, the point of the deception comes. Um, come close to me, because he's, he's smelling rat here, uh, or maybe Jacob. And uh, Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you a blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought him some wine and he drank. And then the father, and then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went up to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the, the smell of a field the Lord has blessed. May God give you the, Heaven's dew and the earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may, those, may the sons of your mother uh, bow down to you. And may those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. So um, let's take a, a pause here and, uh, and talk about this. So he prepares game, goes in, father gets tricked. Uh, knows he's being tricked, but can't figure out how he's being tricked. So he goes and blesses him. Okay, and the thing. So he, he understands this is Jacob's voice, but it doesn't add up. And then he smells, and he bruised out into a, a blessing here. So we actually, so we actually talked. Jose uh, and I talked a little about this just before, um, about this blessing. That, that, you know, is, is a uh, is a blessing uh, that has been. Received deceptively, you know, as you deceitfully obtained it? Is it really a blessing? Um, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit more. But I want to keep that in your mind. I also want you to keep the form of this blessing. So the blessing is 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 not is not an apropos blessing for either of the sons. Okay, because if you look here, it says. Um, uh, May the Lord give you heaven's due, the earth's richness, abundance of grain. May nations serve you and peoples bow down. Be Lord over your brothers. And there is no other brother. There's a brother, not brothers. Uh, And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And may those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Which is, by the way, an echo back to Abraham's the blessing of God to Abraham, the bl- those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. Yeah, Isaac's seen that in his life. so this is, this is what but this is a blessing, I don't believe this is a blessing of a person as much as at the blessing of the godly line. In other words, you, you are the line that God will pass godliness through. Okay, this is the line. now, again, you think, he didn't act very godly. It is true, okay, and this is is where, and we're going to talk about that a bit too, but really when we're honest with ourselves, we're not that godly ourselves, okay. Those of us that really have professed Christ for a long time, we have our issues too. And one of the things I admire about Scripture is it's so honest, but we need to be honest with ourselves if we're to understand what's going on in Scripture too. So there's dishonesty here. Um, and, uh, and, and trying to obtain something by acting the right way or, or making an appearance of something that we're not. Okay? And, and so he gets the blessing. Um, in verse 30, it says, After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting, and he too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father, Isaac, asked him, who are you? I'm your son, he answered. I'm your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said that, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate before you came and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. Now, this is a very interesting explanation here because I'm I'm pretty sure, virtually certain as I can be without it being in here. That he knew what the, the prophecy that Rebecca had—that the older would serve the younger—because I don't think that Rebecca would have kept him from 80 years and never said anything about, you know, God told me this. So, it, it, so the realization is he got tricked, but he got tricked into doing what the prophecy said that was going. So I, so so there's some stuff going on here. So, Isaac. Isaac wants to bless his older son. That's not God's intent here. And so Jacob um, steals the blessing. And again, we'll come back to validity of stuff on this. But, but, but all of a sudden, Isaac recognizes here that indeed what God has said will come to be, will be. And that's what he says. And indeed, he will be blessed. Because God. He now knows that Jacob is the blessed one. Um, and Esau heard his father's word and burst out. With a loud and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. And Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Which means grasping or the heel. He deceived me these two these two times, and he took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? And Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and made, him all his, uh, made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud, and his father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above, and you will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you have grown restless, you will throw off his yoke and turn uh, from your neck, so he gives a second blessing—not much of a blessing, quite frankly—but a blessing. Um, and and I since there's a lot of stuff here. I'm not sure I can how I'd best tease this out. But uh, again, I think this is a blessing of a line, not of a person, because I don't see um, in Esau's life the little we know of it afterwards that this applied. You know, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches and away from the dew of heaven, because. Jacob left, and Esau was around for more than 20 years and grew quite wealthy. In fact, so wealthy, when he came back, they were, uh, Jacob was worried about this thing. So, you will live by the sword and will serve your brother. I don't see that in there either. But when you grow restless, you will throw off, throw his yoke from your neck. I don't see that either. So, so, what I'm saying here is, this may be the blessing of the line of Edom, Esau. Esau became the nation of Edom. I mean, Edom... Sat if, if, if Israel, if there's the Mediterranean, then Israel, then and the Dead Sea, then Edom's right around uh, to the, next to the Dead Sea. It's the modern er, uh, area where, where Petra's located. And it, it was a very arid region. And so I actually think this is – and, and um, they controlled the caravan routes, Edom, Edom did – and grew very rich off tolls there. So, so this somewhat applies to that nation, and and the Israelites might have recognized that petrol wasn't built at that time, but there might have been a, a, the same thing as far as exacting taxes and sort of being uh, arid country people and living by violence of, of travelers uh, against travelers. And so, this might just be the prophecy fulfilled, you know, where God's using uh, Isaac to utter. Utter the words that he intended. Now, I do want to say this, and this we need to be really clear on this. This is a blessing and cursing. I think of peoples. Okay, and it's not a curse; it's it's a blessing, but it's a, it's a weak blessing. Um, God deals in people groups, but He deals with individuals too. And any individual can come to know God. There is no there is no cursed nation or no cursed race. Okay. Um, their people have been cursed. Okay, But that is very rare and that happens um, generally you know, people tend to bring things upon themselves and their actions on that. And so Edom, um, if you look in the prophecy, Edom uh, Edom continued to grow around Israel and they were sort of uh, there were times they were, they were sibling rivalries and stuff like that but on the whole the relations were pretty good there until the Assyrians came in, the Babylonians, and then Edom took advantage of those things. And so Edom was eventually cursed and was destroyed from the nation from the face of the earth. Because when the Assyrians came in, the Babylonians, they actually, uh, they Edom did raids into Israel and took slaves and sold them into slavery. And so the, the, God said, this is not how a brother treats a brother. okay? A brother nation treats a brother nation. And so there was the, the cursing on that. But... That's way, way down. Okay, let's <laughs> get back to this. Um, so what happens here, and why do I say this doesn't apply well? Okay, so so uh, Esau married when he was 40. He married two Canaanite women, okay? And and again, this is sort of, you need to understand something what's going on here. Edom had, was not without fault in all this stuff because uh, there were apparently, uh, they, they told him not to marry Canaanite. They, they did not want him to marry inside because again the practices of the Canaanites were very bad. They're very immoral, and so he wanted. They wanted him to get you know someone from a line, a, a line that respected God and and sort of in today's parlance, the Judeo-Christian ethic type thing. They had that. They had knowledge and understanding of who God was because God's again trying to form a nation that will understand who God is. He, God couldn't come to him because. They couldn't even understand who God was. He's just trying to get them to understand that he is the God of all and the God of all creation and that he rules. And, and, and you think, well, that's really, I understand. I can understand that. Well, no, actually, I'm not real sure we do understand that even now. But certainly, they, they at that time, the animism was rife. There was a lot of gods and idols they worshipped. And it was not always clear who was the right one, okay? Because you, you say, well, this happened because of God well know it happened because of my God or this, this or that. so so this is going on and Esau is not really living up into a godly line anyway okay and then Jacob runs away we want to see this Jacob runs away so I don't see where he's, he's Esau lives away from the earth's richness nor where he serves his brother okay because he, there's no indication ever that he did serve his brother um, and so this again is I think a nation's thing. So, uh, and then we're going to deal with, again with the question of um, can a blessing deceitfully received, is it still a blessing? So let's keep on going. Um, verse 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to myself, the days of mourning my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And when Rebekah was told that her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you." And again, vengeance it can be consoling. He's giving in to his darker side, so to speak. Um, now then, my son, do what I say. Now, you get this idea of a very authoritative mother telling the son, okay? So Jacob had his own issues too, but he had a mother here, and this is this is a warning to us as parents to be careful what we direct our kids into, okay? Um, Now, then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. And when your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Uh, And so it's very interesting because uh, she never does send word for him that we know of. He gets up and goes back on his own after a while uh and uh and uh isaac lives quite a lot longer you know and uh and you know stay stay for a while flee to my brother laban and haran like that's going to help and we find out that that's not all the help that you think he thinks it's going to be um and and then rebecca said to isaac i'm disgusted with living because of these hittite women if Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from the Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So, so that's her plan is, is to say, I, I, I'm just she, – she doesn't tell Isaac, I'm sending, I'm sending Jacob away so I didn't He just says, send him away so he gets a, a decent wife. And there's probably some mixed emotions on there, but it certainly is something that works, okay, because Isaac got Rebekah from the so, so this like, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padam Aram, to the house of your father Bethel. Take a wife from yourself there, from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. And may he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien, the land that God gave Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way and went to Padamaran, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who is the mother of Jacob and Esau. So you can see here that Isaac, when Isaac said before, and he shall be blessed, Isaac has now come to realize this is of God, that this is a blessing that could come. So, so what, is a blessing deceitfully obtained still a blessing? I really don't have an answer for that. Okay, I, I I I don't I don't know. Okay, uh, did Isaac get uh, did Jacob get the blessing? Yes, he did. Okay, but we're about to see that God blesses Jacob directly. So whether Jacob got the blessing because of Isaac's blessing or whether he got it because God just was going to bless him anyway is a big issue. And, and this is an issue because I think Jacob's life is marked by strife of trying to get what God wants him to have. And I'm not sure it helps at all. In fact, I think it hurts more than it helps. And because of that, Jacob has to learn, has to learn they can't trick God. That's, he's always trying to help God along and, or make sure that God keeps his promises, stuff like that. Instead of trusting that God will keep it and doing the right thing, he says, ah, help God along a little. That's going to characterize his life. Um, uh you guys may be able to tell I identify a lot with Jacob. <laughs> um, of, of the characters of the Old Testament, Jacob Jacob's me. So um, so now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Padamaran to take a wife from there. And then, and then he blessed him and commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padamaran. And, and Esau realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. Now, you would think he would have known that beforehand. I'm sure he knew that beforehand, but now he's realizing, wow, it's that displeasing. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahallah, the sister of Naboth, the daughter of Ishmael, the son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. He still doesn't get it. Okay. He didn't want to marry the uh, Canaanites. He didn't want to marry the Ishmaelites either. He wanted to marry into a God-fearing line type thing. And you think, well, they weren't very God-fearing. Again, they weren't. I would agree. But they did have an, a knowledge and understanding of, of of an omnipotent God. There seemed to be that in this Aramean thread that was, that was running through Scripture here. And this is what the Israelites are listening to. They're hearing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. They realize he's being deceitful. They realize the it's like a lot of stories like this. You can sort of laugh and take fun and say, "Yeah, that got him, got him," you know. But, but in really, we know it wasn't good. They know it wasn't good. But, but you know, they were on the winning side, so it makes it okay. And and that doesn't make it okay. But but it does in the story type of thing that they're they're listening to here. Um, but there's a lot of messages here for them to say that this is not all right too. So Jacob left Beersheba and went and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay, lay down to sleep. That always amazes me. I don't know about you, but stones are not what I would consider a pillow. I mean, I do like a firm pillow, but not that firm. You know, it's, uh... So he just lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway uh, uh, or uh, ladder, sometimes they say resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And a lot has been made about them ascending first and then descending, and the ladder or stairs, or the, we're not getting into all that. I'm just, you know. Uh, there above it stood uh, the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I, give, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So he didn't need uh, Isaac's blessing. He got God's blessing. And God's blessing was, was a tremendous blessing, I'm much more... Um, um, expansive than the blessing he got from Isaac. Um, and when Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. This is no other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob... So let me pause for there. So there was a God consciousness on them, and they understand that God was creator of all, and yet there's still this God is a God of a place. God is in a place. God is. There is still this... Un- inability to understand that there, there, this is not the place of God. That right here, where I am now, is as much a place of God as was the place that He was in. Okay, but there's still some. God had a lot of work to do. Okay, He still has a lot of work to do because we don't really realize that either. I, you know, but 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 there is a place in a sense in which there are special uh, places where God, and that's why there was a tabernacle and later a temple where we understand that God's Special presence it's Not that he's not present everywhere. Not that the world can contain him because he's, he's beyond the world. Uh, but, but there is a specialness of places and we see that here. Um, and uh, surely God is in this place and I was not aware of it. In verse 17, he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is no other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and pulled it poured oil on it, uh, on top of it. That's sort of a And that's called, by the way, an anointing, okay? that That's his, uh, uh, and Messiah means anointed one, Mashiach. So he anointed a stone. Again, uh, and he says, and he, uh, uh, he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me he will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house and the Lord will be my God. And this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you've given me I will give you a tent so what is he doing there's a lot of this there's, there's a lot of good stuff in here and a lot of bad stuff the, the bad stuff okay he's setting up the shrine he setting up a shrine he's got a stone this is God so why do we do that why is it this is not to honor God this is to control God see you, you, you if you this is God's house you you you've, you've limited God and and as long as you are, have God's house, you have God type thing. It's almost God hostage type thing. Not not really. But it's, but, it, but our mind works that way, okay? It, it contains that. So he's trying to – now, I will say this. He says, listen, if you watch over me, and he does not ask for a lot, he give me food to eat and clothes to wear so I can return safely. I have to say, there's so, so, so some understanding here that Jacob is – He's fleeing for his life, he's going to these people he doesn't know, and God has said he'll bless him. And he's not saying, Yeah, God, if you give me all that, then I will serve you. He's saying, You take care of me, give me food to eat, clothes to wear, keep me safe, you will be my God. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, it's interesting, I was I have a friend who's an Orthodox um, seminary professor, Greek Orthodox seminary professor in Africa, and he wrote a book on giving, and we got he when he understood I was teaching through Genesis. He said, what's your idea about the tithe? Okay, because it's the Mosaic law. And I said, well, actually the Mosaic law, the tithe precedes the Mosaic law. First, uh, Melchizedek gave a tenth of every, uh, Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek. And here you see Jacob giving a tenth. And, and, and really, um, the tenth is tribute. okay. So there's the word decimate, when we say somebody got decimated, we now mean that like 90% of the people were killed. But the Romans, when they decimated a, a, a cohort or a legion, would kill 10%. That, that, that the word decimate means 10th, not, not 90. It means 10th. And, uh, and they would decimate 10 They would kill 10% as a visual understanding that all of their lives were forfeit. That it was all their lives, and the tenth was just the representative portion of it. So what what Jacob here is acknowledging is that everything you give me, God, I will give you back a tenth. I will acknowledge all that you gave me. So so if if you if if he gave uh, let's say a thousand sheep, it was because God had ten thousand, given him ten thousand. He would have to acknowledge that the, the amount he gave acknowledges what God gave. If he gave God five then acknowledge that God gave him 50. Now, if God gave him 100 and he gave him 5, then he's, he's not acknowledging who God really is and what God has given him. I will say that about the tithe, okay? The tithe is a tenth, okay? I, I don't I, – I, and it's a tenth for a reason. And I think that we're called to give and to give sacrificiously and generously. And, but, we are, but, but we are not under an Old Testament law. This is sort of the discussion I had with my friend here. We're not under an Old Testament law. Uh, and some people say, we're, yes, that means we're free to give more. And the truth is that we are free to give more. And we're free to give less, too. The point of this is this, is that we're not free from acknowledging who God is and that God is the giver of all good things. And the tithe is the representative. So, so I would say you should be tithing. Right? It's just, um, it, but that's an issue that you need to deal with with God. And in, 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 uh, in Acts... Peter made that very clear when uh, Ananias and Sapphira came in and gave not all the that they had. And he said, it was yours before and it was yours to dispose of afterwards. Why did you lie to God? So just be honest with God on, on what you're given and worship him with what you give. Worship him and thank him for all he's given us. God has given us so much. Um, and when we don't acknowledge that, I think it hurts us. So. Um, the, um, my my sister is a great writer, she actually has done a set of devotionals, 40 devotionals, that she just recently published and uh, I, uh, I'm i reading through them, they're very short. Um, and today, she, she asked me the other day what my favorite devotional was, we've only got into about five or six of them, so I hadn't got one yet. But this morning, we read the one and she said, you know, I'm a hairdresser, and it I have to wait a lot on my job. When I do a perm, um, I I have to wait half an hour before I can do this or that or die or this thing. Even even when I run a credit card, it takes a couple minutes. And and it just seems like a long time. And she said, I have a friend who who, uh, talks about love languages. Have you ever heard of love language? Some people, you show love by giving or giving gifts or spending time or this or that, and people feel loved if they receive time or gifts. Or different people feel, have different ways of expressing love. And she said, her friend said, you know, I think God's love language is waiting. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I, I, that You know, God causes us to wait. If we wait, we l- learn to love God. You know, God uses waiting for us to learn to love him. And I think, well, you know, I'm not sure I'd exactly. Uh, so, because this is something I've been dealing with over several years now, about what about time and what about waiting? And why don't things occur? And and here Jacob's trying to push things along, you know. And time, is, and we're going to see he tries to push a lot more soon. And time becomes a very paramount thing in his life. And I'm thinking, um, what God? I think God's love language, and I don't want to be flip on this because this is holy stuff. Is uh. And you don't want to anthropomorphize God and put him in a box or whatever. But I think in a sense, God wants to be appreciated. The, the, the love language of God is us loving him, appreciating who he is and all he's given us. And so the, the, the tithe is a way of showing that appreciation. And again, I, that's, this is not anything about giving. There's a, but it's about appreciating God. And so why does God want us to pray for things over and over again? He tells us, be incessant in prayer, yet believe that you've received, but yet keep on praying, he talks about. Because we all know that when we waited for something for a long time, we appreciated it a whole lot more, okay? Abraham appreciated Isaac a whole lot more because he waited decades for Isaac, okay? And we appreciate the things we've worked hard for and we've waited for and done things. And so God... I think God's love language is appreciation. I think that God wants to be appreciated. And this is here, Jacob's, this is a feeble effort on Jacob's part. And yet it is an honest effort on Jacob's part to appreciate God. And I think God honors that. And I think, and and God puts up, so you you know, parents put up a lot with their kids. You know, really, you're going to do that? Because especially if they know their kids appreciate them, okay? Um, even if they don't, they put up a lot of it. But it really helps to know you're appreciated. But, but God puts up a lot with Jacob. He puts up a lot with me. He puts up a lot with all of us because he loves us and cares for us. But he, I, he made it in his, in his image because he wants fellowship with us. He wants us to see who he really is, how beautiful he is, how loving he is, how caring he is. And he wants us to appreciate that. He is our God. And so the message here is a very exciting message, even as if born in a very dysfunctional family and with a very dysfunctional person, that God cares about us and God never gives up on us. And God will continue to use us and in in, in bless us in our lives and use us in other people's lives. So I think that's the story here. So we're going to get in. We'll start uh, uh, chapter 29 next time where actually the, the tricker meets the tricker. So it's uh, Jacob versus Laban, this next one. Uh, and he's met his match, okay? Esau was a pushover. Now he's going to come and con the master, okay? And we'll talk about that. But but enjoy the fact that God loves you, that he cares for you, and he always watches over you. And he's promised a blessing to us, the blessing um, through his son. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love to us. We thank you for your uh, guidance in our lives. We thank you that even when we try to help you along, uh, you don't abandon us (laughs) and say, do it yourself then. Uh, But you still care for us and watch over us and bring good into our lives. And so we pray you might do that. We pray that you would uh, love us um, and that we would recognize that love, that we would just uh, dwell in that love and that we would be encouraged by it and that in turn we would love you back and we would just enjoy um, the fact that you care so much for us. We pray this in your name, Jesus.